Hello there, and welcome once again to Insight Peterborough. I'm Devin Wilkins. Insight Peterborough is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And if you'd like to know more about who we are and what we do and that sort of thing, then just send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. That's ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. We are uh, an enthusiastic uh, bunch, and uh, we come up with new ideas and new projects to get involved with. So if you're blind, deafblind, or partially sighted, you might just like to join us. Well, this is the second Monday of the month, and uh, it's time for Simple Savings. And uh, this time, Linda Todd and I are going to be talking about various ways to advocate for yourself and where you can go to get help doing that and also where you can go to get help with legal matters that might come up. And all of it is free. So uh, do give a listen. Hi, Linda, and uh, welcome back to uh, our uh, Insight Peterborough with another edition of uh, Simple Savings. And I understand we're going to be talking legal things and human rights things today. Yes, we are. Hi, Devin, and hello to the listening audience. Uh, I happen to come across some great uh, uh, information about uh, free legal services. So I thought it would be good stuff to uh, share with our listening audience. Yeah, that sounds good. So, uh, so just some basics. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of services that are available to those with disabilities. And, uh, you know, disabilities is a very broad term. You know, it can, uh, it envelops physical, mental, and learning disabilities, mental disorders, hearing and vision disabilities, uh, epilepsy, uh, mental health, uh, addictions, and even environmental sensitivities. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, the obvious definition of disability and there's, uh, there's a lot of services out there to help for those that are in need, uh, whether it's in regards to discrimination or, uh, you know, help with a landlord situation or any number of things. Okay. Uh, so the, one of the first things I would suggest if people are in a situation is uh, to check out the Ontario Human Rights Commission and uh, you kind of get a base of, um, of ideas and, and what your your rights are. And if you feel your rights have been crossed in some way, then there are other opportunities to contact free legal advice. Okay. Uh, so I have a, I have a lot of 
um, uh, website referrals and information to give. Uh, but you know, so it'll be hard for to remember and keep it all track, uh, keep track of you know organizations that you may not have heard of before. But if somebody, uh, you know, you can try to write it all down, or if some, you know, and Google it, um, or you, uh, you know, if you feel you're in need, then you can uh, contact. You know, people could contact you or I, and I can send a list of uh, of references to to find out. But I just thought I would mention that so people aren't scrambling trying to write this information down because it's it's hard to listen to new information and and write it all down at the same time. Yes, or they can, uh, uh, during the summer at least, the show is being repeated on uh, Fridays at noon, so they can listen then, or they can uh, catch uh, my podcast. Okay. Yeah. And if you want to contact me for uh, a list of references from Linda, it's insightpeterborough.com at gmail.com insightpeterborough at gmail.com okay so what are some of these uh, websites that we should be checking out Linda well the, the first one that I came across and I've actually contacted and it was a really simple process and it's called Pro Bono Ontario Ooh. and their website is probonoontario.ca all one word, right? P R O. All one word, yep. P R O B O N O O N T A R I O. Yep. Okay. And you, there's a toll free number. They offer services between 9.30 and 11.30 and 1.30 and 3.30, Monday to Friday. And you just agree, they tackle all kinds of things except for criminal law. Oh, yes. I'll mention that specifically since I did just mention I've contacted them, so it wasn't about anything criminal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So they, yeah, they pretty much can answer um, and help guide you. You know, I don't, they don't take on whole cases, um, to my knowledge, but they're giving you direction and information or clarification. And you just call the 1-800 number. You know, you pick your topic, and then they put you through to the, the correct lawyer that you may need help um, uh-huh. on something with. Right. And uh, it was a really simple process. And then if you have documents um, to submit that you want them to review and get back to you on, or, well, they don't call you back, you have to call them back. Yeah. But they will review the documents and, uh, and then give you advice uh, from there. And uh, so you just go onto the website, you know, submit the contact email, attach your documents, and they will review them, and you can call them back the very next day. You know, this, the process has been extremely simple and, uh, and very friendly. Okay. Sounds good. And then uh, there is another opportunity uh, of... Um, a place called Steps to Justice. And these are all Ontario-oriented, by the way. Okay. Uh, So Steps to Justice, uh, their tagline is Your Guide to Law in Ontario. And they've got um, specific services for people uh, with disabilities. Good. And you can uh, 
you know, whether it's workplace safety or abuse of people with disabilities, uh, mental health, uh, if you've got questions regarding the Canada Pension Plan or ODSP, mm -hmm. and, um, and mental health. You know, so there's, there's all kinds of uh, information as well on their website and uh, they help with family law, housing, human rights, education, um, debt, and consumer rights, abuse. So is the website Steps to Justice? Yeah, so the website is uh, stepstojustice.ca. Okay. And uh, again, it's just another avenue to check out for legal help. And what I was just mentioning about that they can help with uh, ODSP as well. Um, you know, ODSP can, is also uh, an avenue to check out if you need help on on something. That uh, it offers uh, help. ODSP is they can offer legal help uh, as well. Yeah. So that's Ontario Disability Support Services. Is yes. yeah. Okay. Yeah, the acronym. Yeah, sorry about that. No, that's okay. And well, speaking of acronyms, which I can't give a definition of um, for, which is interesting um, in itself, because it's called the Arch Disability Law Center. And the uh, you go to the website uh, again. It's Ontario uh, oriented, but I looked all over the website. And I cannot find the definition of ARCH, A-R-C-H. And which is really strange. I mean, they've got the acronym throughout and all kinds of information that they can help with um, uh, legal services um, that are directly to persons with disabilities in Ontario. Yeah. Uh, and including the referral service. Uh, they can, you know, point you in the right direction of what you may need. Okay. And, um, and it's about... Disability uh, and in disability rights organizations, human rights, uh, and so on. But I cannot, I was not able to find the uh, what ARCH stands for, even on the About Us page. Uh huh. Uh, I, I I can't quite remember all of the letters, but I think they probably don't talk about it much because the the last letter is the H. Um, was uh, for handicapped, and a lot of people don't uh, like that word. Um, so um, I, I'm quite sure that that's why they probably don't put too much emphasis on uh, what the acronym is. Okay, well, that's interesting. Interesting I mentioned it, and, uh, and yeah, you have probably provided the reason why. Because uh, I thought that was um, definitely a little odd. Um, yes. But if that's, and you've heard of them, then you know it. You know it is a legitimate resource. Almost definitely. Yeah, and from what everything I could tell, uh, uh, it is. Yes. Oh, definitely it is. Yes, it's been around for years. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, and there's lots of information and resources on their website. And what's their website? The website is archdisabilitylaw.ca. 
Okay. RCA, and they have, um, they've got lawyers and paralegals. They offer legal advice uh, and information for persons with disabilities. Um, they go after a lot of uh, law reform, and uh, uh, they provide, they've got like a legal education um, section that's full of resources and materials uh, for your information. And they have a blog with um, all kinds of articles and updates and accessibility uh, information. All right, terrific. And uh, another one, it is not exactly one, it's more of a, um, so there's a website as well called 211 Ontario. Oh, yeah. 211ontario.ca. And it is a complete list of, well, I'm assuming it's complete. There's over a thousand um, listings of nonprofit organizations. And they are all categorized. So, in, um, you know, there's a list of disabilities for um, income support, healthcare, homelessness, uh, older adults, mental health family services, uh, emergency crisis. And so this is a really good reference point because, for example, uh, if you're having a legal issue, uh, depending on what your disability is, and you're probably familiar with your nonprofit, for example, I'm visually impaired, so I'm a member of CNIB. Well, I also can contact CNIB with a legal issue or uh, usually mainly about discrimination, uh, if there was something in that regard. So CNIB may consider providing help and definitely would provide guidance. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you were a member of spinal cord injury or uh, any other organization like that, they also are organizations that will help in this regard. Um, by referring to 211 Ontario, you may come across other organizations that you fit into that you can reach out for help as well. Yeah, 211 Ontario would be good if you didn't know who to reach out to. That would be a really good starting point. Yes, yeah, yep. because it, uh, it brings up even, uh, you know, um, Scanning down the list of organizations, you know, first of all, there's so many organizations that I've never heard of before. Yeah. Um, you know, and you never know when reading about them, you know, it may be something that can help, uh, you know, those who are visually impaired or, or whatever your disability or inconvenience is that you're living with, um, then, you know, they may consider um, that as well. And uh, speaking of which, when I just mentioned about spinal cord injury, there's an organization called, uh, well, if you, if you fall into that category, you can reach out to them, but there's an organization called CoreTree. And so it's C-O-R-T-R-E-E. -E. Okay. And uh, it's a registered 
uh, is owned by Sonacord in Toronto, Ontario, oh. a registered uh, charity. Uh, but they also help um, in mediation. And you don't actually have to be uh, a person with a spinal cord injury uh, for uh, them to help you. Anyone with any disability, um, I would recommend or suggest you could contact them and see if there is something that they can help with. Because even though the name is specific uh, and it gives that impression, um, I recently did find out that they actually uh, do aid in um, the majority or all disabilities. Good. Terrific. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I realized we're coming up to uh, uh, our uh, finalizing the interview. So I'll, um, uh, another general uh, but very uh, full of information is going to the Superior Court of Justice um, website. Uh, there is lots of information there, and that's along with, um, you know, I mentioned about the Ontario Human Rights Commission, and the Superior Court of Justice website um, is a good starting point as well. Well, I guess we're mentioning many good starting points. One thing leads to another. Um, and then there's legal aid, right? Just owning legal aid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's another one that. So I guess the, the general idea is to, for the listening audience to pick up on is that if you have any kind of legal issue, there is lots of help out there. You just have to be persistent and um, call many of them and, uh, and see, you know, all of them I'm sure are going to be supportive, but it's who actually can give you, you know, who has the time and not, you know, a long, long wait list to give you the help you need. Yes. You know, at the time. Two others that uh, I would like to just kind of make mention of. One is the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians. It's based in uh, Kelowna, B.C., but it has chapters across the country, and uh, there are many members at large, but if you wanted to... uh, Check that out as blindcanadians.ca, blindcanadians.ca. And then, um, of course, this uh, show is a project of the CCB, uh, the Canadian Council of the Blind. So if you wanted to get in touch either with the uh, local chapter or the uh, national office, they can uh, probably give you a hand with advocacy issues as well. Um, I think it's ccbnational.ca, I think. But if you need um, more information about that, then just uh, email ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. So, okay. Yeah, I had not come across or heard of uh, blindcanadians.ca. Yes. So, um, that, uh, that's a great lead. I will check it out and um, uh, read up on that one. Okay. I just have one more that I'll mention. Okay. Uh, uh, it's called reach.ca. And uh, they've got 
uh, lawyers, paralegals, and mediators that will provide up to uh, three hours of pro bono legal service. Uh, And they've got, uh, and it's about, you know, the equality and justice for people with disabilities. And it's an educational, now it's based out of Ottawa, uh, so I'm, I didn't see that it's only for uh, people that live in that area, uh, but it, um, uh, there's lots, again, there's lots of information and resources on their website, so, uh, and it, they specialize in, uh, you know, uh, people with disabilities and, and helping them. So we've really given a, you know, a lot of information, you know, um, and again, just contact Devin at Insight Peterborough. Uh, if you need any referrals or, you know, go to the Ontario Human Rights Commission website or Superior Court of Justice, and, you know, one thing will lead to another with, uh, you know, just kind of if you can recall all the information that Devin and I have thrown out, uh, but uh, I thought it was, yeah, really important information uh, to learn, and, and I've learned a lot going through the process. So uh, it's been interesting to know that there's all this help out there. Yeah, so uh, you're not alone. Uh, just uh, reach out and uh, start somewhere, um, and uh, and it'll lead you the rest of the way. Yeah. So thank you, Linda. We really appreciate this uh, for this month, and all of that is free. So uh, definitely you'll be saving. So thanks uh, for chatting with us, and we'll be in touch um, next month. Great. Thank you so much, Devin, and everybody have a great month. On July 17th, and that is a Saturday, a gentleman named Stealth Ng is going to be the performer in the fifth of a series of concerts presented by the uh, CCB Toronto Visionaries, and uh, they're going to make that concert available to everyone who wants to listen in, because it's going to be virtual. Now, the advertising says it's free, but the it does mention that donations are gratefully received. The one way that an artist can become a performer on one of the concerts presented by the CCB Toronto Visionaries is that the performer has to have lived experience with vision loss. And uh, in this interview that was recorded on Zoom, Stealth Ng tells us all about his story and how he became a musician and what he is doing to assist children who are blind living in Toronto. And uh, at the end of our interview, we'll have a small sample of what Stealth is going to play. It's a, a, a... He's called Beau Soir, so beautiful night. And uh, that's how we'll uh, probably finish our show.
Well, hello, uh, Stealth, and thank you so much for agreeing to be on the program. Thank you so much for having me. So now I know that you're a part of the uh, Toronto Visionaries and that uh, you're going to be a performer uh, in a few days, uh, performing a a concert for the Toronto Visionaries, which is a part of uh, CCB. I'm wondering if we could maybe begin by asking you to tell us a little bit of your story as far as vision loss goes. Yeah, definitely. So I was actually um, very fortunate, and uh, when I was um, when I was born, I didn't have any visual impairments, um, and I could see very well even without glasses. Um, but when I was about uh, just reaching the age of an early teenager, around twelve years old, um, I, I I came in for a routine uh, optometrist checkup and. The doctor found that I was actually diagnosed with um, cataracts um, at a very young age. And that Mm -hmm. led to a lot of other complications because, of course, I had to go in for a cataract surgery and uh, make sure that that was dealt with uh, very quickly. And um, that actually led to a lot of of, um, other conditions such as renal detachments and glaucoma, uh, corneal transplants. And during that time, this was about when I was, I think the most serious period was when I was 12 to around 18, 19 years old. Um, I experienced basically periodic blindness. So I I, um, gradually lost my vision because of cataracts. And then when I regained it um, several years later, um, I had frequent um, periods where I had to go in for emergency surgeries because of renal detachments. And there would be periods where I couldn't be, um, where I couldn't see at all for three to four months. <clears throat> and this really um, continued on and off um, over the course of um, several years into my uh, first few years in university. Um, so this had a, a great effect on how I, how I grew up and how I adjusted to um, everyday life uh, as a teenager. Um, so it's quite an experience to go through. Yes. And, and how is your vision now? Uh, I'm f- very fortunate that uh, because of uh, amazing eye doctors, that um, I can still see a little in my left eye, which is my good eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately for my right eye, it's um, all the vision is gone. So I'm completely blind in my right eye. And um, so I <clears throat> don't have any peripheral vision or depth perception. I definitely don't have any night vision, so I try not to go out too <laughs> too much no, in the evening. I can um, imagine. And um, in my left eye, actually, I have a tunnel vision. So I see um, very little, about less than 10% of my field of view. Um, um, but I'm fortunate enough that I can still see. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, and and I'm sure you make the most of the vision that you have. Definitely. Yeah. Now, I know that you're a musician. Um, Did you uh, begin uh, delving into music uh, while you were having problems with your vision, or or is this something that you discovered after your vision loss? So music has always been a part of my life. Um, 
my mom always wanted to uh, learn music when she was little, but she never got the chance. So she made sure that we had um, a thorough musical education growing up. So I actually started learning piano at the age with um, at the age of four. And that was with uh, an, an incredible um, piano professor. Her name's Nancy Howe, Mrs. Nancy Howe, and um, she she was actually, I believe, the um, the top violin professor at the at the Shanghai Conservatory. So she came from China, and she still remains to be a huge uh, musical inspiration to me even to this day. And that was. Um, well over 25 years ago. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And so I started piano when I was four and then I started, and then I subsequently started violin when I was five. Um, and my mom always told me that when I was little, I would um, somehow manage to carry my little violin um, along with me when I took naps and <laughs> saw me cuddling my violin as a little, a little, a little kid. Um, so I actually really enjoyed both instruments. Um um, and so, so music has always been a part of my life. I actually wanted to be a professional pianist uh, growing up. Uh huh. So now you've reached your goal. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't quite say that, <laughs> um, but I, I do uh, a lot of recording. I do a lot of um, filming now with musicians, um, uh, amazing musicians that I've um, met and uh, have. Um, um, I played with and performed with, and um, I also do a lot of teaching. So I teach piano and violin and theory, and I, I absolutely love it because I've um, had the experience of um, meeting and and uh, growing with a lot of uh, young children, and um, I think that there's just um, something very inspiring with the the excitement that goes on when they first come in for a music lesson. Oh, I bet. Yeah, and just the, the the smile that they they get on their faces when you see that they're doing something that they really like, and they have their parents' encouragement, and it also reminds me of you know a, a wonderful musical upbringing because I never felt pressured right to do um, to do music. I never felt pressured that I had to practice or I had to go to competitions. It was always something that came very natural, and I credit that very much in large part to my mother. Uh, very supportive family um, environment, um, the encouragement from my sister, who also took piano and violin lessons uh, with me, and of course mm-hmm. my my wonderful um, piano teacher and, and music professors over the years. Now, did you uh, do all of that um, learning uh, in uh, Toronto, or were you still in China at the time? I was actually born in Toronto. I was um born here and I've actually never been to China sadly but I, I do plan on going someday terrific <laughs> yeah. yes and um and actually that's in large part um I've always wanted to go to Europe and and um the United States and and China and travel more um but it was because of all my visual issues and and all these sudden eye surgeries when I was um a teenager that that forced me to not have the chance to to travel because what happens if let's say I go to Paris for a two week vacation and all of a sudden I need an emergency retinal surgery okay. right and yes. it was it was very scary at the time because it's just I, I didn't have that experience of being like um, of of losing my vision so suddenly and so drastically and I remember the very first time I went into the hospital the doctor's like okay well you need surgery tomorrow morning and I was like wait what. And he was like, yeah, you have a, you have a, a, a severe retinal detachment. If you don't treat it now, you're going to lose your vision permanently. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I can understand how that would uh, kind of keep traveling to a minimum. That's too bad. Um, now, you were talking about uh, teaching earlier. You have a, a non, you've established a non-profit association there in Toronto, haven't you? Uh, yes. Um, so I um, just earlier this year during the pandemic, um, I started the Toronto Institute of Music for the Blind. And this organization, um, although very new, and we're assembling a wonderful team of accessibility counselors and um, music teachers that have um, taught um, or have an interest in teaching blind children, the whole point of this organization is to connect blind children with the opportunity to learn, play, and perform music. And I think that um, this is something that I've always, always wanted to do, especially after having gone through vision loss myself, but more specifically because um, when I was a teenager and, and I went through all those eye surgeries, I didn't feel like I could do very much. I was always either in the hospital during New Year's Eve or I was um, not allowed to go to school, not allowed to exercise or go to sports because of my um, very um, tender eye conditions Yes, and uh, recovering from surgery all the time. And so the one thing that I could do actually is uh, play violin and play piano. And more specifically, I found that um, I could practice the violin easier than the piano was because um, when I was about 16, 17, I was actually preparing for um, performing at, at the national level. I competed in the C Canadian co music competition, CMC, and I was doing concertis and preparing a lot of competitions and some very serious repertoire at a high level. And um, I found that because I hadn't um, learned to play uh, piano completely blind from the start, that I, I, I didn't have the experience, um, quite frankly, of knowing and adapting how to play on the piano without my vision, at least not, you know, within the time frame that I had to prepare for these competitions. So I really struggled. But the interesting thing is that um, the violin, as you well know, doesn't have frets like a guitar, right? It's all... Right. Uh, f the feel of the left hand, where the notes are, it's all um, muscle memory and um, the, just the touch, the perception of touch is so strong. And I realized that um, after one particularly um, large surgery, it was I picked up my violin and I was very, very down because I didn't know um, when I'd be able to go back to school and see all my friends again and... Um, and, and finish my courses and, and, you know, open a textbook or even see a movie again. And I picked up my violin and I started playing. Um, at that point, I, I was also preparing for competitions, um, but it was a totally, totally different experience. Um, it totally lifted me out of that um, period in which I thought, oh man, like, I don't think I can do this. And I'm really upset. And, um, all I was wondering and all I was thinking about 24 seven was, Hey, am I going to get better? Am I going to be able to see again? And it, it, it totally transformed my mentality to, Hey, uh, why don't you work on the, <laughs> this wonderful Tchaikovsky um, composition, this concerto that your teacher assigned you? Why don't you listen to some orchestra music with the motivation and knowing that, you know, if you practice this well enough, uh, one day when your eyes do recover, you can play in the string quartet or you can audition for orchestra. 
Um, and, you know, this really worked. It, days turned into weeks, into months. And before I knew it, this was um, a very motivating way um, to encourage myself without even realizing at the onset. And after a few months, I was like, you know what? What if my vision doesn't come back? And the great thing was that I realized, well, if that is the case, right, there's nothing I can do about it. The doctors tried their best. Right. But if my vision doesn't come back, I can still play violin. I could still record. I could still teach. I could still learn music. I could still um, play piano. I would adapt, right? I had everything at my disposal um, to continue the work that I've been doing my whole life. Um, childhood and and early adult life as an artist, as a musician. And that was a huge turning point for me. Um, And fast forward, I guess, um, till just up until this past year during the pandemic, Uh um, actually for, um, for many years, I've wanted to, to do something in which I would spearhead an initiation that would bring, um, music to um, the blind um, community, and the visually impaired community. And actually, in March of 2017, I did a collaboration with the CNIB, which is the Canadian National, excuse me, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. And I actually went in and did um, like a little outreach and a performance. I played on piano and I performed on violin and I spoke with the children there and they absolutely loved it. And they were, they were so excited and they were singing and it turns out to, it turns out that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a lot of the children there actually were already learning musical instruments. They were playing piano, guitar, and it was actually a large part of their lives. And, you know, that really um, stayed in my memory. And uh, I wanted um, to start something in Toronto where um, the resources and the education and connections uh, would be possible um, for especially children at a young age where parents, you know, might not have um, a lot of experience um, dealing with their children's ocular conditions. And um, basically what I went through, I hope to be able to offer to um, any potential child here in Toronto and just be like, hey, you know what? I've gone through this. Um, I know it's scary, um, but music really changed my life. It really encouraged me. And I hope to be able to do the same to to them and to offer basically music lessons to blind children and um, eventually train them to, to play at a high enough level that my dream is really so that they can um, be playing on a professional and professionally efficient level, maybe even one day they could collaborate with the wonderful arts organizations we have in, in Toronto, such as the Toronto Symphony Orchestra or the Glenn Gould School. Sure. Yeah, so that's really yeah. my, my vision, my dream. That's great. Now, along uh, the way for you and and also the, the children, uh, did you um, ever resort to learning uh, music in, or Braille music? I did not, actually. Okay. I started learning music by ear um, yes. during that time, and I learned it. Um, and actually, and that's, this is actually one of the proponents that um, are encouraging me to start this nonprofit. It's because when I um, went through that period, and, and I couldn't see, but I, I still had to practice for auditions, my teachers actually um, 
phenomenal as they were, had no experience with teaching blind children. Music. Right. Mm-hmm. Had no experience with blind students and had no experience in general with knowing how to reassure me that it would be all right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I was left to do was basically uh, loop recordings and get into a little bit of an obsessive pattern uh-huh. of behavior. And I, I was like, hey, you know what? Well, if no one's going to do this, then I have to do this myself and figure out a way to accomplish this. And I basically learned it note by note. I mean, at that time, I was already very um, proficient on the instrument. It was just a matter of, okay, what note is this? Uh, what's the bowing? And I had a lot of help from my mom and my sister, um, uh, my family to uh, read the the fingerings and the bowings that my teacher gave me. But in terms of finding the right pitch and the, the notes, it was really all learning it by ear. And it worked. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, you can do uh, wonderful things by ear if if you have the ear to do it with, that's for sure. Terrific. And so you encourage the children uh, to um, work on their uh, playing by ear as well? Yeah, definitely. So that's a great point, actually. So currently, um, of course, a lot of things are in the works because TIMB is, is a new organization. Um, but we're actually currently collaborating with a, a wonderful organization in Los Angeles in the United States. And I'm in um, good touch with the president of the Academy of Music for the Blind, which uh-huh. is situated in Los Angeles. And he and I have been discussing a lot of the concepts and his experiences with teaching blind children over in the United States. And that the first thing that we actually work on is, of course, you know, getting comfortable. For example, if you're teaching a young child, um, a visually impaired child, the piano, you would get them very comfortable with the two and three pattern of black keys and feeling their way out. But immediately we would start ear training. And this is um, quite different from the, the normal classical approach or even the sighted approach of learning piano when um, I was brought up um, as a young a musician. Um, because there's this heavy emphasis of saying, hey, listen, there's, uh, you know, a set of musical instructions in front of us that we call the musical score. And uh, at least in classical music, the Royal Conservatory of um, Toronto uh, of music, we're tied to that score. So whatever the composer writes, we basically have to replicate it in the best possible interpretation and be respectful to what the uh, composition requires us to do. Now, I'm not saying that's not possible when you're learning music by ear, um, but what I've realized is that um, having an intuitive sense of pitch um, takes time, it, you know, you know, to yes. the, few, the few fortunate of us, it comes very naturally, but it often takes time and it takes a lot of good training, but it, it, it is of exceeding help. Um, it's exceedingly helpful to, um, to visually impaired musicians when they're approaching the instrument and learning. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but, uh, I think, um, learning learning music by ear and having a well-developed uh, sense of pitch and, and ear is incredibly uh, useful. Oh, yes. Yes, I can understand that. Have you ever taken your concepts to, uh, say, the um, W. Ross McDonald School for the Blind in Brantford? 
I've actually been in touch with several representatives of that school, and the the wonderful thing is that I know they have a lot of contacts and a lot of children there. Um, however, um, I can't drive. <laughs> I ah, right. Yet, yes. Yet figured out a way that I would be able to go there, but there is some. Um, there are plans in the works right now to do online collaborations, um, and I've actually uh, both part actually they and both both parties have reached out to each other. And uh, I, I definitely intend to follow up more and establish more of a partnership with um, that wonderful school and the faculty there. Um, but definitely, I know that that establishment is probably much more well known uh, over the years. And I hope to um, become, you know, an institution um, such as that where, you, you know, if people are like, hey, you know, my um, uh, my my son or my daughter um, or really wants to learn music, but they can't see, or they can't see very well. And and then people would just be like, "Hey, you know what? Downtown Toronto, there's this, there's this great place, you know, called um, TIMB, and you should check it out." And that's what I really hope that uh, would become the norm for yeah. um, uh, people in the future. So before we um, get talking about your upcoming uh, performance for the Toronto Visionaries. And uh, before we uh, forget, uh, do you have the, a website that uh, for uh, TIMB that you uh, that we can refer people to? I do. It's uh, a website that I actually designed myself. It's www.timb.ca, uh, which stands for Toronto Institute of Music for the Blind. And uh, I actually think an easy way of remembering it is Timbits, but without the IT. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that's good. So you are going to be doing a, a performance. I think it's on the the seventeenth. Uh, is that right? Yes. And um, it's a virtual performance. Yes, that's correct. So the president of um, the Canadian Council for the Blind, uh, Ian, Mister Ian White, he's just a wonderful individual. Uh, we touched base. And uh, he's offered me a spot in their wonderful uh, concert series in which um, Canadian uh, artists and musicians who have had experience with vision loss share their, their story and their music. And uh, I'm really excited for this concert, actually, because of uh, the work that Ian's been doing. Yes. Yep. He's a, a very hard worker, very dedicated. That's for sure. So what kind of um, uh, highlights of the uh, our performance can we uh, look forward to definitely so um well i'm not going to give away too much because i'm going <laughs> to encourage whoever's listening to this to attend the concert um yes but there's going to be a variety of my favorite works uh, there's going to be um uh, compositions by mozart by glinka a, a wonderful russian composer by wc uh, a little tango music uh, nice. A little contemporary, even ballet uh, music that I was inspired during my work as a ballet accompanist a few years back. Um, but the thing that I'm really um, happy to share is that there's actually going to be a variety of um, piano and violin and cello music because um, I, I've included selections where I, I was playing just solo piano and then um, piano and violin where I recorded both tracks. And... Um, 
I did the piano part first, and then I basically accompanied myself on violin, but in a professional um, audio studio recording. Oh, yes. And uh, so it makes it sound like there's two people playing at the same time. And uh, I also, um, there's a piano trio recording there where I did the piano, and uh, two of my wonderful colleagues were on the violin and cello. And so I'm really excited for this program because um, I also want to, you know, um, share that, you know, when you do play one instrument, um, the instrument really is just a representation of your inner voice. And so I, I always encourage my students, the ones that I'm teaching right now, not only to learn piano, but also to explore what else you might like, guitar, flute, drums, violin, trumpet. It's all just a representation of how you would like to sing um, with uh, an instrument in your hands. Yes. Oh, that's terrific. And when is this going to take place? So this is going to take place on July the 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I believe the 17th is actually um, on a Saturday. Yes. Next week, yes. Mm -hmm. That's right. And uh, I understand that it's uh, completely free, but... uh, Donations to the Toronto Visionaries are welcome. Is that right? Yes, it's um, it's a pay what you can um, and for the CCB. Um, but uh, I myself will be making a donation as well. And I think that what they're doing, I'm actually not, of course, I, you know, they have a whole lineup of wonderful musical artists. And before I heard of the CCB, I didn't know of the wonderful things that Ian and his team were doing. But now that I've seen and, you know, on their website and heard of the musicians, I was like, wow, I, this is amazing. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not the only one out there. And it's really encouraging me to, uh, further um, continue the work that I'd like to do and to know that I'm also not alone, you know, and that there's a, a huge platform for uh, blind musicians, for blind uh, children who want to learn music, for blind individuals who would like to enjoy music. And I really hope that this will become a huge community, actually, um, in Toronto or, or even internationally, where um, it's 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 a platform, it's a regular thing for all of us to connect and, and talk and enjoy. Mm-hmm. That'll be great. And uh, so where can uh, people anywhere take, um, uh, where can we um, hear the performance? I believe um, Ian is going to send me a link. It's going to be on a pre-recorded Zoom meeting. Um, and I'm assembling the uh, virtual concert right now. Um, but I believe uh, on the CCB website, I may be mistaken, but on the um, CCB Toronto Visionaries, or if you just Google that, <laughs> on upcoming events, they should have a July 17th concert. But I'm also going to check with Ian and uh, see what information he has uh, to give the both of us. Uh, but I'm sure it's going to be available online for everyone to uh, experience. All right. Well, uh, we'll look forward to receiving that information. And uh, thanks so much for being with us and uh, telling us all about what you're doing and uh, and also with the children there in Toronto. And uh, I, I imagine, have you gotten applications for uh, TIMB from uh, people outside of Toronto? Definitely, actually, both inside and outside of Toronto. And uh, let me first, of course, um, thank you first, 
for having me on your radio show and for speaking with me um, this early Friday morning. Um, so actually, when I first um, shared news of, um, you know, starting the Toronto Institute of Music for the Blind, a lot of my friends, colleagues and teachers already have known of my, um, you know, personal history of vision loss and how music has changed my life. Um, and when I shared this news with them, people were just so incredibly supportive and so enthusiastic. And uh, that really, really encourages me to, um, to do everything that I can to continue this work because I, you know, I've seen other friends and artists who have started nonprofits and it's, it's not easy, you know, especially the funding side, the um, collecting and uh, recruiting and, and uh, connecting uh, with people and individuals who who believe in your vision and are willing to support you either financially or through their own time and energy. Um, and um, when I, you know, first published news of this on my social media channels, I actually had a lot of people uh, come forward who were very supportive and said, hey, you know what, I'd love to talk to you more about this. I'd love to interview you. Um, we have a project going on right now in outreach and we'd love to collaborate some um, potential performances with you. Uh, we'd like to talk about opening up, uh, you know, a class at um, this competition music festival where we have just a designated class for, you know, children who are visually impaired. And then we had uh, other members of the community, actually some faculty members at uh, the Glen Gould School, the University of Toronto, which it's where I studied um, music, uh, violin performance during my mm -hmm. formal years. And they were like, hey, you know what? I'd love to interview you and, and, and learn more about this initiative. Um, and actually, in addition to that, further to that, I had um, several people contact me, um, some people from Stratford, some people from um, Ajax, some people way up north, some people from Toronto. And they messaged me through to my website and they're like, hey, you know what? Like my daughter actually right now is preparing for... Um, uh, for her theory and her practical RCM exams. And we're looking for support for, you know, a visually impaired um, child who's learning piano and, 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 you know, adapting to Braille music. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like I, I actually didn't know that um, the, the demand was so um, high and I'm so happy to be able to hopefully provide, you know, a service and provide resources for, for exactly parents and, and musicians like that. Um, so this really just happened within, it sort of blew up. It sort of just happened within the first one or two days. Um, and um, um, especially after um, uh, there was a newsletter that was uh, featured on the Stratford Music Festival uh -huh. that went out. And this is thanks to a, a wonderful mentor of mine, uh, Mark Fewer. He's a violin professor at the University of Toronto. And uh, he actually coached me when I was at the National Youth Orchestra, NYLC Canada, and we were performing with the orchestra. And he was a wonderful chamber orchestral coach for me. But he reached out to me when he heard about um, my starting TIMB and said, hey, I'd love to feature you. I'd love to talk to you more about this. And so the support and the inquiries have been uh, overwhelming and very encouraging. Well, I'm really glad to hear about that. That's terrific. Thank so you so much. All the best of luck with that, and of course with the uh, performance on July 17th, and I think you said it begins at 7 o'clock? That's correct. Okay, and we'll try to get the link for that and get it out to uh, two people as well. 
Thank you very much, Stel. No, thank much. you so much. Thank you so much, Devin. The, uh, the pleasure is mine, and uh, I, I really enjoyed us speaking. Now, isn't that just beautiful music? You can hear more of the same by either writing to or checking out www.ccbtorontovisionaries.ca slash concert.php or by sending me an email at insightpeterborough at gmail.com and uh, I can send you the uh, Zoom details. So there are two ways that you can get the information that you want. Uh, Go to the website that I mentioned or email me at insightpeterborough at gmail.com. And that's going to be, as I said before, that will be the way that we'll finish our show this week. Thank you so much for listening, and I do hope that you'll be able to join me again next week. Take good care. Bye for now.